Welcome to Cognitive Rampage Podcast. Hope you're taking care of you. Hope you're living your Cognitive Rampage. You have to believe in the power of you. Uncomfortable is where the change is. be willing to question the impossible or you're planning for the inevitable. Welcome to Cognitive Rampage Podcast. Hope you're taking care of you. Hope you are living your Cognitive Rampage. We are brought to you by Vermont Pure CBD Full Spectrum Wellness Products. Now, if you listen to the last podcast, uh, Grant Jacobowski was on the podcast, the founder of that. So uh, if you haven't heard that, I suggest you go back and listen to that podcast. It was Cognitive Rampage 220. He basically told you everything you need to know and even then some about CBD and Vermont Pure CBD Full Wellness Products Company, a, a beautiful company. We got deep into it, uh, but just for the top for you now, look, they grow all their hemp on organic Vermont farmland. That matters. It certainly matters to me. Uh, They focus on high CBD and terpene-rich varieties that provide maximum healing benefits. They they extract all hemp using high-tech alcohol extraction, not that dangerous butane stuff. They produce the highest quality full-spectrum CBD available. They control the entire process to ensure that they produce the best CBD products on the market. Now, full spectrum, just so you understand it, if you didn't listen to that podcast, means it still contains some THC, but not enough to where it's going to affect you psychoactively. But there are healing properties to the THC, okay? There's isolates that are out there, all right? But when they isolate it like that, it removes some healing properties, some CBN, CBG, some things, again, that you should go back and listen to the podcast with Greg, with uh, Grant Jacobowski on 220. Go back and listen to that. So the reason full spectrum is more healing is because they leave the full properties in it. They don't pull those things out, all right? So isolates can certainly be helpful, but they're not near as strong medically as a full spectrum product, okay? Especially... The fact that it's organic. It's grown in organic farm land, to be specific, okay? So, I use this product too. Again, I would not sell or endorse anything I have not used. Do not recommend at all. I wouldn't be doing that at all. So, we got to try it out. It it has done some wonderful things for me. I don't use it every day. uh, But when I do... It works, whether it's a small ache or pain or something like that, and it's done wonders for psoriasis for myself as well. That runs in my family. It's a gene that's passed down, but, well, no more. So it's amazing the things that you can treat with CBD, especially a full spectrum. Just go to VermontPureCBD.com, enter the promo code RAMPAGE, and you get 10% off. Okay, that's VermontPureCBD.com, enter code word RAMPAGE for 10% off. And this podcast is also fueled by my book, The Cognitive Rampage, which you can find available now on Amazon. The second edition is out. You can look that up. I'd love to go deep into it, but I've done a ton of podcasts on my actual book. Uh, But it's about life change, self-discovery, and, well, getting deep. Getting deep in your own life. And, look, you don't have to be at rock bottom. I don't like to classify my book as a self-help book 
book because it's also a self-optimization book because that's also who it's for. Look, if you're on rock bottom dealing with addiction, depression, anxiety, I promise you this book is for you. It will pull you out of that hole or at least assist you, right? Because it will be you that pulls you out of that hole. But even if not, if you just like life development, life optimization, learning more about yourself, self-discovery, trying new things, well, and if you don't know what your life philosophy is, right? A lot of people don't know what their actual life philosophy is. Not that quote you keep using and claim to be your life philosophy, right? This book, it's an experience. I'm telling you, it's not just a self-help book filled with mo motivational fluff and words telling you that a boy, you can do it, right? And just change how you think, right? It's different. It's deeper. It's based in multiple sciences from the biology down to sociology, cognitive sciences, behavioral sciences, environmental sciences, uh, and working in nature, sleep, all these things that we know to be necessary too. And it's all put together in a self-application for you. You apply it to yourself and and there is no harmful side effects, all right? I promise you that at least, right? So pick up that book. You can go to Amazon. Just type in The Cognitive Rampage, basically anywhere on Google. Not too many things named The Cognitive Rampage. On the podcast today, Michael Harrell. I had to give a little preface before this podcast starts because, well, some of you may start the beginning of this podcast and hear a couple things that... Uh, the man goes into and makes you uh, may want to turn it off. He may just kind of go, ah, wait. But just wait. Caught me by surprise, too, as we got about 15 minutes or so into the podcast, and it just, well, it takes a U-turn. I wouldn't say a left or a right turn, but it takes a U-turn from uh, what it sounded like uh, was being supported until, well, Michael says, let me talk about the opposition of what he does, and it may surprise you. So, Stay tuned. Listen to this entire one because at the end, uh, he and I, well, I know I opened up transparently about some things I experienced, some things I tried that are similar to what he offers. It's a pretty enlightening podcast. And after you listen to it, uh, that may be a little funnier to you. But hold fast during this podcast, even in the beginning, uh, as well, we talk a little about conspiracy and some other things that may well make you want to just go oh no way just pay attention and after we get through the beginning part um, stay with it again wait till it gets to the part where he does the total u-turn I didn't see it coming either and well just matter of fact I enjoyed this podcast I got takeaways from this podcast actually I talk about one of them and what I'm going to be trying to do on the podcast that I have coming up in the future so I took a lot out of this podcast myself, and I know you will too. I hope you enjoy this podcast with Michael Harrell. And we are live. Welcome to Cognitive Rampage Podcast. Hope you're taking care of you. Hope you are living your Cognitive Rampage. My guest today is Michael Harrell, founder, creator of Language Lessons of the Heart. Welcome to the show, Michael. Hey, welcome. It's kind of fun to be here. It was a struggle, but we got it. Yeah, we get through the technology. We uh, finally get up uh, to go live. I'm, I'm glad uh, you got it worked out so we could uh, get you on here, man. You you cover so many interesting things, man. And before we before we jump into that, I, I try to let guests, uh, well, give the guests a chance to let our listeners know, you know, kind of who you are, where you came from, what the background was like, and uh, what brought you all the way up before we, you know, dive into the language lessons of the heart. 
Well, you know, on one hand, I'm just a regular guy's carpenter all my life, but uh, I had some pretty wild and woolly things happen to me uh, uh, to get me into the point of being a, uh, you know, teaching a healing modality. So I lived in Florida most of my life, down south in Dade County, A305. And, uh, but anyway, back in the 70s, you know, I was like just a regular pot smoking guy and working hard, everything, you know. And I was hanging out in Coconut Grove and I met this guy who was, uh, who was uh, enlightened. <laughs> and I had no idea, you know, I'm sitting here redneck, you know, our idea was going out, and, you know, uh, drinking beers and maybe going to going to the you know, water and catching fish. That was about my level of, of awareness, right? But this guy was like, he was full-blown enlightened, you know, and he was like, uh, what do you call it? I had no clue what it was. So I was like, I met hanging out in the Grove and I drove him around a few places. And uh, this guy blew the transmission right out of my car with his energy. That Whoa. was wild. Whoa, yeah. how does that happen? Yeah, you tell me. So this this, was, this happened like on a Sunday and I met him, right? And he was talking all this kind of stuff and about being light coming on his head. And I'm going, oh, that sounds cool. That sounds cool. And then I dropped him off later in the afternoon. I drove him around all my friends' places. And anyway, long story short, the, the next day was Monday. My car was like only had one gear, low gear, right? And it was a new transmission I had put in there. It was like a 1967 or... Uh, uh, Galaxy 500 convertible. I think it was great. But anyway, so uh, I took it to the shop and I, and I said, listen, man, I just had a new, this is just a new transmission I bought from you guys. And he said, okay, we'll fix it. And I had to, I was going to junior college. So, so I was going to go to junior college the next day. So the guy, I picked it up at the shop, right? And, uh, and uh, he said, I don't know, I've never seen anything like this. It was brand new. Everything was perfect. And every seal was blown out of that car, out of my, that transmission. And it was like, I was just driving normal, right? So I thought that was odd. And then I was driving towards my class on, on Tuesday, right? Mm -hmm. Everything's pretty cool. And I was about a mile away from Dade Junior College, Miami Dade Community College. And I started hearing voices. I got the radio play and I started hearing people talking. And, you know, I'm driving down the road. I'm looking around for people talking. I'm going, what the hell is that, you know? And as I got closer to the to the uh, college and pulling in the parking lot, the voices got louder. <laughs> and I thought, what is going on here? I turned the car off. I could still hear him. And I'm walking in towards my class, and I pass by the library. And I look in front of the library, and there's all these people reading in there. They're reading their book in their head, right? And I'm here in the whole library reading their book in their head because I spent a a whole day with this guy, right? And then I went up to one of my friends and I, I was like talking. I said, hey, this man, all this stuff's happening to me. And and uh, and I, then I could saw his whole life flash in front of him, right? Anyway, that kind of, I just figured out from there, I realized that just from being in that guy's presence for a couple hours, for like six hours or something, it elevated my consciousness so I could hear what people were thinking. And I could see their whole life from the beginning to end, right? So I thought, okay, this enlightenment's got legs, man. It's got enlightenment business, got legs. So I went around and looked for a, looked for a guru, ended up meeting uh, like four different enlightened men, and one of them was my teacher. And I did a potload of meditation. So I went from being a redneck, you know, beer drinking, pot smoking, young, young, uh, you know, juvenile, 
to uh, to being like a hardcore meditator, God realization person. <laughs> but I, in all in all this, I was making sewage treatment plants, and I was a cabinet maker, so it was not like I was, you know, academic luminary or anything like that. Uh, I, I, it sounds it's, a lot like some sort, some sort of psychedelic experience or something. I'm getting some sort of feedback there, but some sort of, uh, I don't know, man. You, <laughs> I got to, you know, I'm kind of, you know, how does that happen? You know what I mean? That you're walking, you, you hear voices and just being around a guy. I'm trying to wrap my head around that. Yeah, how does that happen? It happens because this guy that I met who was full-blown enlightened, dude, when he raised your vibration up, it's just a frequency, right? We live, we operate below that frequency where we don't hear each other, like, you know, psychic contact and all that kind of stuff, or seeing visions or any that kind of stuff. We operate kind of in a normal zone. But if you get up, if you raise your consciousness or you're around somebody who raises your consciousness, that's what a guru is. All a guru does is he takes his, this, life force light stuff and and connects you to it <laughs> and then you're blasted you know what i mean so i did that for like 15 years and then i had a midlife crisis and uh you know it was like like i was hanging out with this girl and she was uh we'd been together for like 10 or 12 years and and uh she was her dad was a millionaire and we were living in ireland and living in, in uh out in the redlands in florida and and uh it was just a fantastic like really when she left me, the cat left me, I lost my job, all this kind of midlife crisis stuff. And I'm going, hey, man, what's what's the deal, man? You're a saint. You know, you're a God-realized man. I could walk by people and they'd see light in their head. You know, they go, hey, what's with you, man? You walked past me and I saw light in my head. So <laughs> it, was, it would crack me up. I'm thinking, like, how can I have a midlife crisis when I'm doing all this guru saint stuff, right? But there you go. It just crashed and burned. What it was was I was really, 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 really out of touch with my emotional body. The reason why I went to become like a guru a follower was because I had a bad self-image. I had no self-love. And I thought, well, okay, if, uh, you know, if I can't love myself and I can't find the love that I need out there, maybe, maybe God will love me. So I went to try to find God's love. So it was sort of like a my effort to become realized was because of my wound. You know what I mean? So meditation was my drug of choice to try to cover up the pain of, you know, not being good enough, not being worthy of love and all that kind of stuff. But I had no clue of that because at the time I was like all into love and light and guru and, and you know, God realization and all that kind of stuff. Anyway, I crashed and burned. And luckily I had a good friend, a lady, friend that uh i told her what was going on she looked at me and said you're way out of touch with your emotional body and i said what is that <laughs> yeah, that's my next question you know what is that what, what is that you know and and uh you know so she tuned me in she said look you're you know you're in your head you're in the spirit world and all this kind of stuff but you're not feeling what's going on in your soul you're not feeling what's going on in your heart and uh and that's what the issue is so that's how I. That's how I got into. That's how I got into doing emotional healing work because I figured, man, you know, there's something to this. This this stuff is like, is like amazing because I started doing emotional release work. I I had knew some people who were into primal therapy and I did some primal scream and knew some people who were doing body work and all this kind of stuff. And anyway, 
I got into learning how to heal your emotions. And here's, here's my claim to fame, which is not much. It was like, because I was building these big projects and I was a cabinet maker and, and a carpenter, I knew how to look at something and see what the end result was. And I, had, I knew like, well, for a window to go here, it had to be measured this much, this high, this high, and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, and the wall had to be this way. Right? So I knew all the steps involved to make a building or to make a cabinet. Right. So if you get a long cabinet, you got to measure, you got to know how big the doors are going to be. So when you put them all together, they don't have a big gap in them. So I, my mind was thinking that way. Then the other thing is I had that 13 years of meditation. So my mind was like really still and really focused. So those two things, the step by step process of how something happens and the concentration to observe what was going on, this mind, you know, calming the mind, stilling the mind. So when I was doing my emotional release work, I went down into my emotional body. I went down into seeing how the steps that it took to get me wounded. Yeah. And then I reversed those. You reverse the steps that it took to get wounded. And all of a sudden you become unwounded. Although it still took a couple of years to do it because I had the I had a world-class bad self-image. My bad self-image was so bad <laughs> that I had to realize God just to feel normal. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's the same kind of a thing as addicts. You know what I mean? They they have to do something to deal with their pain. So, Yeah, walk me through those first, uh, the 13 years, the the meditation that you were talking about. And I mean, how does how does one become this the saint, if you will, this guru saint thing? Like, how does how does it self anointed? Is that given by a, a group? How does that come? The energy first, you get an energy transference from the gut from the from the guru. The guru is locked in. He's locked into that energy, right? It's like chi, or like reiki, right? If you can if you can imagine reiki, that is absolutely pure life force consciousness, right? The pure life force consciousness is, is that life becomes light right so you're meditating on the life force enough and it becomes light and that's what enlightenment is you see you know light of a thousand suns and all that crap you know stuff that they talk about what it is to be enlightened and it's all that comes with bliss too so truth consciousness is bliss true consciousness is, is bliss so when you get into that life force it's pure love man so you get all blissed out and feeling light and all that kind of stuff well, what it takes is a is a potload of meditating. Okay, you you can't you can't meditate uh, casually for five minutes. Uh, the first six or seven months that I did it, it was six hours a day, buddy. Mm. Six hours a day. That means it was two hours in the morning before I went to work, and I was working full time as a carpenter. Then I'd come home, boom, I'd I'd hit the sheets, you know, because back then I, we had I pull a sheet over, just had kind of, you know, that was where, where, where that was, but. I hit the sheets for two more hours and then I'd eat dinner and then uh, go to bed. And uh, before I went to bed, it was two more hours. So six hours a day. That's what I was doing. And then it tapered off to like two hours a day. And then it was one hour a day. Then it got to, um, got to like after 13 years, it's like, you know, you're just sitting there doing nothing. <laughs> it's like, it's like, uh, I don't know. It's like you, you can actually literally spend a week or two, and nothing happens. And then, then the next time something really wild happens, you know, it's like all of a sudden a cosmos opens up or whatever happens, your heart opens or something kind of wild happens. And it's like that. It's no, not really a controlled thing. It's more like an organic thing. It just happens to you. But you got to sit a lot. 
There's, there's not, that's not something you just fall off a log and, you know, and do it. Anyway, the people, people, people have been doing this for thousands of years, nothing new, it's nothing. In America, they have a really hard time with God realization. You cannot see God face to face. But in, in India, man, everybody's like trying to see God face to face, which is basically your awareness looking at divine light or the, the light of life. Pretty simple, really. Yeah, I got to imagine that you get a lot of scientific pushback on the things that, you know, you talk about or support or talk about you going through. And um, that's I'm trying to just kind of get some of that out of the way, you know, before we get in, because I really want to learn about some of the, the trauma work that you're doing and helping people that yeah. way. Uh, I'm a firm believer of, you know, whatever helps the individual. Right. Because whatever we attach a belief to. Uh, a lot of time can become what's powerful in our lives, uh, be that scientific or not. Um, how do you kind of walk through the scientific uh, criticism that you may get when we when you're talking about certain things like this? Scientific criticism. Well, there. If you, what do you want to talk about? Quantum physics or electromagnetism? Which well, walk, walk through all that because I, I'll play the other side. Then is the idea of you know he, hearing one hearing voices, right? We could determine that as schizophrenic on a mental health level, right? Uh, or an idea of seeing some light or a, a light that's transferred and sitting still and meditating for a while then achieves this this level of of, of guruism. Uh, things that are well, basically difficult to be tested and proved and repeated, right? Not that that's the end all to be all either. <laughs> except, except for about a, about a million people in India doing it every day. So that's not exactly proof, but it is data. When you get a millions of people have done it, and then the history of enlightened men throughout the ages, it's thousands. Well, they're saying there's some like 1,500 Buddhas, you know, of which we only know the top 600 or so, and of them, the top 20. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So there's data, but that doesn't necessarily mean proof, except for you could hook somebody up who's meditating and, uh, and to, to like, you know, the EEGs and all that kind of stuff and see what their brainwaves are doing. And, it, and it's just completely not normal. <laughs> that stuff's not normal. But in terms of, let's say, quantum physics, right, what they found out is, is uh, basically what they found out is that photons and light are subjected to consciousness. So there's a connection between consciousness and, and light. You, you see what I'm saying? With the double slit experiment, you know, they're shooting light in there. Mm -hmm. But then when you look, look, you observe, you're aware of it, it changes it from being a particle to being a wave or being a wave to being a particle, right? And then when they look at the, when, when they look at particle physics, that it goes from, you know, molecules to atoms and atoms to the parts of the atoms, which is the protons and the, and the photons and all that kind of stuff. And uh, what those things actually are is they don't have any matter. They are just energy. They're, they're energy of, of swirling light. So what we actually are is light. It's not like, it's not like we're this and this light is something different. We are made out of that light. You know what I mean? Every cell, every atom is all made out of this little tiny little balls of light. And when it's all collected together, it has enough so that you can actually see it with your pineal gland, with your third eye, you know? That's kind of what it is. And it's completely natural. It's, it's not like it's an ability. Uh, it's not like an ability that, that uh, only a few have. Anybody who sits down long enough and just meditates on their... What was it? Here's, here's the, uh, what do you call it? The, uh, what the gurus used to say. You have perfect concentration upon a perfect point. Perfect concentration 
on the perfect point is what turns finite into the infinite. Okay? So when you focus, like let's like with Qigong, right? They're working with the Qi, with the life force. But when you meditate on that life force, that life force, which is infinite, uh, if you meditate on it long enough, then then it, it, it vibrates fully. What would I say? Like the pond, you know? You can't see the reflection of the moon in the pond until the pond is steady. steady. It's kind of like that. It's pretty natural stuff, but quantum physics shows you that we are light beings and consciousness beings. And coincidentally, that's exactly what my healing work is all about. You have to, you have to go away from the 3D into, into 5D to have any kind of healing happen at all. 3D is length, height, and width. That's 3D, plus time is 4D, right? But 5D is inside and outside, yeah? Mm. So if you, so it's the stuff that happens inside uh, is a man, is kind of manifested outside. You know, you talk a lot about uh, all the troubles and trials and weird things that are going on in the world with food, with vaccinations, with, with you name it, all this kind of weird stuff that's going on. All that is a manifestation of our, of, the, of our collective internal self. Mm. So we project out. That's what the shadow is. We project yeah, that's, a, that's some that's some Jungian stuff. Uh, I got into Jung uh, for a while with the shadow and uh, th this example of it. And you know, I, I've often said that the internet is a reflection of our society as a whole. And being that the dark web is most of it, it's a scary thing to think about that this is kind of the reflection of the society we're currently sitting in. Yeah, I'm looking at that too, but I look at it like that the internet's going to be our salvation. Really? Yeah. Uh, if you look at it, like Nikola Tesla brought electricity onto the planet, right? Here again, going back to the energy, everything is in. It's helpful to know that here that we are that we're not physical beings. We are infinite. We are immortal, and what was never created. That means we are energy beings, and we and we do not die. We do not. Nothing happens to us, right? We just live in these lives, but we're infinite and immortal. We're part of that energy system of the of the all one or whatever you want to call it, and that's what intent, quantum entanglement is, right? One little one little photon spinning over here, and another little photon spinning over there, and they're entangled. Well, the whole entire ball of wax is entangled. That's what unity consciousness is. That's what it means to be all one, and it's energy in the energy, not this tree and that tree, you and me. In the energy, we're all one. We are all made out of the same energy. Yeah. What's the, uh, do you think is a device or a, a divider between, you know, us reaching some sort of collective consciousness, if you will, I've, I've heard that talked about a, a lot and, or, or reaching some enlightened state of a, of a collective being to, I don't know, and is it about moving to another level or is this just a physical world we pass through? Is it, is it a test here? Um, you know, that, that our light has became this physical being that's present here that does, it has a, a time being where our physical body shuts off, right? I know I'm throwing a lot out there, but uh, I know you're certainly going to give me a lot back. But uh, that that separation between, I don't know, what what's keeping us from a total collective bliss, if you will, or a heaven in quotes, right? Uh, and, the, and maybe the point of this physical experience we have here. That's a long story. That's a big topic. That's all you, brother. 
it is perhaps the biggest topic. Uh, here again, well, let's talk about the Illuminati, the, the, the kings and the rulers, right? Those guys, every king that's ever been on the planet had a wizard, a visor, you know, a fortune teller, a soothsayer, right? Those guys are not operating in 3D time and space. They're operating in 5D. So they had warlords, which were wizards about war, right? And, and, uh, and they had sorcerers. Well, there's been, uh, and a lot of these guys are not necessarily from this planet either. They've been, they were like basically an invasion that happened a long time ago. And one of the things that, that it's kind of complicated, but one of the things they can do is, is because it's sort of like this galactic kind of like agreement is nobody goes over, no, nobody goes around and takes over a planet. It, that's not allowed because all the other Federation of Planets will go, hey, you can't do that. So what they do is they incarnate onto Earth and then they subvert the consciousness of the, of the beings that are on there. And they did a whole bunch of things to subvert it. So it's been, and it's going on full blast. You can see it right now, the tail end of it, all the false flags, propaganda, all the church propaganda, the military propaganda, the medical field propaganda, you know what I'm saying? And, uh, and what, it, what it did is kind of program our mind. Okay, I'm getting to your question, your answer to your question. What it did is it programmed our mind to, to limit us into a certain uh, vibrational frequency. And uh, like trauma, right? The MK Ultra and all those guys who do the, the trauma mind control stuff. Yeah. Well, the whole ball of wax was based on PTSD, but it's not, it's not like what you think of as PTSD. You think of PTSD as, as uh, uh, post-traumatic stress disorder, right? But that's not what these guys are doing. What these guys are doing is planned trauma and stress denial. Okay? So wars and famines and economic thing and telling people that they're slaves and making serfs out of people and conquering nations. All this is trauma. It's planned trauma to subjugate the people, right? And this has been going on for a very, very, very long time from the, from the time we were hunters and gatherers and these really sophisticated guys come in here in Mesotomia and say, oh, look, you can farm here and we can build these buildings and life's good. We'll have music and dance and all this kind of stuff. And the next thing you know, Few generations later it's like there's all everybody's farmers feeding the rich mm. that is not natural to this planet but anyway the same ideas of traumatizing stigmatizing subjugating people making this hierarchy of of the uh, you know the elite and the kings and the rulers and the rich and then there's all the people, you see what I'm saying? Get that whole slavery thing going. And that's been going on for a long time. The people in Europe, and before we came to America, we were serfs, we were slaves. You know, we were owned, you know? That's, that's been going on. So these guys who've been doing this, have been doing this in 5D, which is beyond time, right? For a long, 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 long time. And so they keep the church going, you know, and then they say, okay, you're, you're disconnected from God. So they're saying you're not infinite and immortal in what was never created. No, you're a sinner separate from God and you have to work your way to God. Well, that pattern 
gets into everybody's head and everybody feels like they're separate from God. And so what's the use of even trying? They put God realization beyond death. You're not gonna see God in this life as beyond death. You see what I'm saying? So basically every hope that we could ever have, every freedom that we have, every sovereignty that we have has been planned trauma and stress denial. And what, what that works with here is like, I'll give an example of 9-11 was a, was a major stroke of planned stress, planned trauma and stress denial, right? So this is a gigantic thing, shocked everybody, right? Uh, it was planned by them. We're traumatized, yeah? And then you can't do anything about it. So you deny it. Okay, here's the trick about denial. When you deny one, deny one thing, you deny everything. You, you know, it's like you, your, your hopes, your dreams, your, your joys. Right? If you have denied pain, then that cuts down on your hopes and dreams and joys, right? You see what I'm saying? So the whole idea is for them to get you involved in the fear-based, fear-mongering, war-mongering, desperation, all that kind of stuff, all that lower vibe stuff keeps you from opening up to this unity consciousness for, or from feeling love or feeling part of nature. You know, nature is bad, all these kind of beliefs. Every belief you have is a limitation placed on what you can do and feel. You know, like if you believe in one religion, you automatically deny how many religions? 1,300 religions. I am this, and I'm not that, not that, not that, not that, not that. I'm, a, I'm an American, but I'm not a Belgian, and I'm not an English, and I'm not from, you see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. It's that division. So every time, and, and we would soul belief, 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 right? And knowledge, knowledge, knowledge. All that stuff is bullshit. No, I, I, I agree with you on, uh, on, uh, on the division idea of the borders. Um, I'm getting that feedback again. The borders, uh, how it kicks back, uh, how it keeps us divided. Um, I, I, I can't speak on anything about alien invasions or different beings and moving here. I, don't, I just don't know enough. And, you know, but I, I can also say that a lot of people, uh, let's talk about the ending things you were talking about there as far as 9-11 being uh, a setup. I've often argued things like that and we keep it, but even that becomes an argument of dismay, of, of divide, right? Another thing that whether you do or don't, that too is divided. And uh, we stay divided by, well, makeshift things that we seem to create, be that borders or I am this or I am that. Uh, and we don't spend a lot of time. I love Carlin, right? We don't spend an, uh, enough time focusing on how we're the same. We focus so much on how we're we're different and it keeps us divided. And, and interesting. I mean, I've been down a religious road, you know, I was raised Christian, et cetera, and walked through a lot of that. And it seems the further you get into that, like you mentioned, the further we tend to get away from a from a God of a concept, right, uh, of how we feel it or believe it, see it or grace, et cetera. And it seems that divide, and I found it interesting, right, as I'm listening to yourself, as, as, as we get further into it, they even separate the idea of, of ever being able to be holy or, you know, full of grace or anything, love these ideas until you die. And so you're already a piece of shit and you haven't even done anything and you're apologizing for being a piece of shit. You believe this for most of the time and you can't live up to something that too then creates this divide. Um, and, you know, entertaining these ideas for most people, it hits a cognitive dissonance that's so destructive and so hard. That's it. 
that that it it, it can't be right. I'm I mean I'll get emails just for entertaining this idea on this podcast, Michael. I'm just going to tell you, and you know so you know that there is they did an experiment though. I've said it a lot on this podcast um, where they knew a certain area of Mississippi River was going to flood. I can't remember the city of. Uh, Damn, I wish I, I remembered on the podcast I said it, and they knew it was going to flood after certain rains were coming through. They told people up to 10 miles to evacuate. They weren't sure how far it was going to go away or how far it would flood the land. So they tell everybody, hey, you know, be safe. Get the hell out of here. Uh, don't stay around. And people from everyone from the three-mile marker out left uh, and only half left from the one-mile marker out, and people just died. They just stayed there with their shit and died. And I use that to explain how strong a cognitive dissonance can be. The death is coming. You know it. They're telling you it's going to flood, but you just hang out anyway because it's too much to really try to fathom or, or swallow. Because like you said, if, if 9-11 was set up in that, in that way, right, what do we even do about it as a people, right? I mean, we, that's, that's what the goal was. There's, right. there's, parts, there's two parts of that, parts of that goal. We, we, think of, we think in terms of mind control because we're thinking in terms of mind right but it's not mind control it's will control so we have we have four parts of self which they never bothered to tell you about that we have four parts of self a spirit heart will and body right so if you can control the mind then you can control the heart and will and body but if you can control the will that is the will of the people you see what I'm saying? The will of the people is not heard. It's not acknowledged. So every attack of the mind control, mind fuck, whatever it is that they're doing, is aimed at the will of the person, not the head. Doesn't matter what the head's doing as long as the will is desperate and hopeless and can't do anything and feels powerless and separated. That's what the, that was. So they understand about the mind of the people, the heart of the people, the will of the people, and the body of the people. They understand that. They play us like a fiddle because we don't know we don't know what the, the 5D inner game is. We lose every time. We don't even know what the game is. We don't even know that there is a game being played on us. We think that this is some kind of a reality. It's not. It's a construct of trauma. Trauma that we take into our mind, but we feel in our hearts, we feel in our belly. You know what I mean? It's like, here, I get to tell you what happens when you, and you have to deny it. Since 9-11, how many people have died in wars at our, at, with our name on it? Blood on our hands. Oh. About a million. Yeah, at least. Over a million. How many people displaced? Oh, About 17 million. Yeah. Okay. And, and, and okay, now, can you deal with that? Can we feel that? You, you have to shut that feeling down. Right. And it's that feeling of denied the feeling, denied feelings. That's what they want, because as soon as they do that, they take the power. It's in other words, we don't have 10,000 or a million people storming, uh, storming D.C. saying, stop this shit. We don't. That's why they don't show us the results on the newspaper anymore on a newspaper they don't, they don't show you people getting killed kids getting blown up like they used to in vietnam when well, they learned that lesson oh, that's <laughs> because they're trying to get to the will of the people which is the emotional body so the whole thing with the economy and then free love and all this kind of stuff you know we've been we've we've been attacked sort of our emotional being has been attacked from from all sides from day one, from school, from, from house, being born in a house with divided parents, 
to the school systems that we have, where it's completely the worst form of, of education that there can possibly construct. To to uh, you know to this whole hierarchy of you always got to have a boss over you or a governor over you or the teachers over you or your parents are over you. You see what I'm saying? So it just keeps us in the slave mentality the whole time of powerless of the power structure. Yes, yeah, even competition. The idea of competition breeds the success and the economies we enjoy and, and the, the toys or the things that we like to have uh, comes from this hierarchy that's necessary um, or believed to be necessary that creates competition, that creates the products, the things, and even the experiences we go and pay for. Out of, out of balance competi competition, yeah. Because, you know, the trees don't compete with other trees. They move around and the grass all kind of seems to, you know, get it on together and animals and grass and trees and rain, everything's cooperation in reality. But only us that are that are so traumatized and split from nature, from our own human nature, we try to compete. We try to get the golden ring. But that's it's all being played. We're all being played. All that's a play. It has nothing to do with who we really are. Nothing. Zero. Yeah, they said it hurts. Yeah, well, it hurts terribly. I, I think it's all. Dang, I'm quoting a lot of Carlin here. Is the uh, um, meet? Let me meet the individual, and I meet somebody that I can understand and love. But the minute I meet a group of people, two or more, uh, they're not themselves, and they are easily distracted and pulled into a different uh, area. You know, I've I've been on a, a kind of a weird thought pattern lately. I'll, I'll share with you. Um, is it's kind of an idea. They would call me a postmodernist, more than likely, or Jordan Peterson would. Uh, an idea of that there is no true self, right? That we are our social constructs, that we are an, uh, an absorption of our experiences, what we've seen, heard, uh, in order to fit into a social norm or a social group. And I've been playing with the idea that the closer we try to fit into a social group of some kind, that the further we get away from our own self, our self-love or self-acknowledgement, uh, knowing ourself or being able to accept the self of the person that we are, uh, and almost some sort of distraction of, of social acceptance. And without it, you know, pick the social group. I don't care if it's family, school, business group, or pick it. Um, that as we deny ourselves or uh, hate ourselves or modify ourselves to fit into these social groups and norms, we get further and further away from the self uh, or accepting the self that we are. Yeah, that's it. That's the that's the game. The it, if you think you replace the word social groups and, and society with with culture, and the root of culture is what is cult. And what do you have to do in it to be in a cult? You have to wear certain clothes. You have to eat a certain way. You have to have a certain attitude. You have to have certain beliefs to be in the cult. And all the time you're denying your own. And as I and again, like I said, anytime you have one belief. It, it denies all the other beliefs. But by, by just by virtual standard of it, if I, if I believe the sky is blue, it can't be green, pink, red, or yellow. Right, right. You, you, have to, you have to wear orange robes or you have to wear white robes, you see? So all the other clothes you could possibly wear and all the other, or, or you have to be celibate, right? Or you have to be vegetarian or, you see what I'm saying? It's a cult, culture. Or you have, so you ha in our culture, you have to work hard. You have to make money. See what I'm and if you don't work hard and make money, then you're not in the culture. See what I'm and here again, this all has to do with the mind. Thoughts over feelings. The man over the woman. The government over the people. The parents over the child. Thought over feelings. You know what I'm saying? 
Yeah, myself being a cognitive guy at one fourth of how, you know, I tend to try to help people. I'm definitely not a cognitive practitioner, but the idea that thoughts create our feelings, feelings predict our behavior. But I'm also a heavy behavioralist. The Erickson's where my behavior can modify my thoughts and my thoughts think can change and, and produce my feelings based on what I do. Uh, you spoke to the will of the person, right? I, I can almost look at the will as being the behavior that we choose or choose not to do. And if I can break someone's will or manipulate someone's will, then I can manipulate the behavior, thus determine what they or how they are thinking that thus then create what they choose to feel. Right. And, and that is what's done on a massive uh, level with planned traumas. You know, if we can confuse them, make them scared, make them hurt, make them worried, they'll do whatever we want. You know, they'll give away their freedoms kind of thing. So anyway, what are we doing right now, you and me? Yeah, sharing ideas, maybe sharing thoughts. Yeah, we're we're defining the problem. We're illuminating. We're looking at the we're looking at the issue, at the problem, right? And probably ninety percent of the stuff that you've done. I listened to a couple of your podcasts. You're you're pretty. You're actually a better speaker than I am. I'm kind of impressed with that. But ninety percent of what what you do is talk about the problem. Mm. So there's two things. There's the information and process, and there's most people in the podcast industry are, are, are about the information. How bad is the economy? How bad is the secret government? How bad is, you know, the, the, is the medical profession? How bad is the schools? How bad are relationships? How bad is, you see what I'm saying? It's the information, 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 information. It, I look at it like this. If you have, a, you're, you're, a, you're driving a car and the car gets flat, right? And you and the four passengers in the in the car are PhDs on on uh, on the chemistry of tires and the manufacturing of tires and all this kind of stuff, right? So these four PhDs come out of the car and they start saying, "Well, you know, this this is the history of the of the the composition of, of rubber tires." And the other guy says, "Well, this is the this is how this is how the the inflation works and the pressures and all this kind of stuff." So they they know every goddamn thing about how to change the tire. Not one of them is actually changing the goddamn time. You see what I'm saying? So how much information? What is which is more important? You get you get the kid from the kid across the street walks over with a jack and changes the tire. He doesn't know anything about tires. He just knows how to change them, right? He doesn't know the history of them, what the chemical composition of them, what the history, what you know, who manufactures them, and and how long that. He doesn't know any of that stuff. He knows how to change the tire and put the car back on the road. You see what I'm saying? So there's a difference between information overload and process. And we here again, we are trained to think that information will get the job done. And guess what? It does not. Information only maintains the pattern of abuse, the pattern of the problem. The more you know about the problem, the more the problem becomes real. The more the problem becomes real, the less you can deal with it, the less you can do about it. You see? So by talking only about the information of the problem, you become the problem and you create the problem. Because you're sharing the information or sharing the problem as it exists and the inevitability of the inability to fix the problem. Right. And when you listen to people like David Icke, this guy, David Icke, you've heard of him, right? Yeah. Right. And, and who, who's some of the other guys out there, big truthers out there? Uh, uh, well, you got the, uh, the big guy they just shut down, uh, Information Wars. Oh, those guys, right. Well, see, all, all, they never talk about solution. They only talk about problem, 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 problem. That information is part of the, a part of the, the 
plan trauma and stress denial. So they give the plan, they, they plan the trauma, and then you then you, you create an industry about the stress, the stress, the stress. You know, people are stressed out. People are taking drugs. People are having trouble with their house mortgages. There's not enough money in the economy. Stress, 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 stress. You say you can't do anything about it, so you deny it. Yeah. I'm going to make a correlation here. Um, I'm going to pull from part of the part of the well scripture, if you will. Um, You know, I've often pondered on the idea of, you know, in the basic story of the creation, right? The tree of knowledge, right? That this is what's eaten from. I'm not I don't want to speak to whether it literally happened, metaphorically happened. Um, but the idea that this happens to be what this fruit or tree is, and the more knowledge we gain, it seems the the worse it gets. I can certainly tell you when I first started this podcast, uh, I was angry about addiction. I'm going to use it as an example. I was angry about addiction, how people were being treated and killed, uh, rehooked on chemical incarceration, right? As I dove further down, I, I began to get worse and worse with the more knowledge I gained. I began to get, one, you learn how much you don't really fucking know. By the time you're into it, you go, holy shit, I'm never getting out of here. There's You can't know enough. And I became a pretty shitty, angry person. It would be not the guy you wanted at your barbecue. Because I'm like, do you know where that hot dog came from? You know, I'd be the, I was this guy. The further we walk down this knowledge tree, if you will, uh, it does seem like the worse it, it would get. That's why I kind of spun it. The reason I put my book out was a solution to the addiction problem. And, um, you know, I, I got answers or, or for how what I would do to treat addiction and uh, to do it better, better than AA, NA, these cult-like groups, better than, uh, you know, inpatient facilities, uh, a more of holistic approach, more integrative approach, in-house approach. Uh, so for me, I be, I got tired of just being the guy that was pissed off, spouting about what's wrong with addiction. That's why I wrote both of those books is going here. Here's a, a solution to the issues that you face. Uh, and, and from what I could pull from a lot of forward thinkers and, and, and scientists, as well as uh, people like Dr. Bruce Lipton, that, that a lot of scientists look at as being blah sideways because he brings in the spirituality aspects of it. Um, you know, I love the dude. And, you know, I rewrote the book, the the first edition, uh, because when I was done, one, I, it was written in such a tangential form. I wanted to get that information solution out there so fast. Uh, so I edited it and I felt terrible because I left out at least the idea of, quote, spirituality. Right. I left this idea out because I knew I'd be attacked by the heavy scientifics, et cetera. And I had to go back and rewrite it and, and, and re-include that in the book, right? Because, uh, and I took the a very soft approach, you know, of what you believe can be true, right? And kind of tried to paint that in there, Trojan horse it in there a little bit, you know, for some others. But um, the solution, I, I definitely see it. I'm just kind of putting this out there, something to speak on, is the idea is as we gain knowledge, is, is I mean, we're not saying not to gain any knowledge, right? No, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Uh, and part of what I teach is, is actually is emotional release and judgment and not release. The first step in anything is recognizing what the situation. You go, okay, I got a flat tire. That's the information. Okay, you need that information. I got a flat tire. Then you accept that that flat tire is not going to do anything until you change it. So recognition and acceptance are the first two steps of transformation. But if that's all you go, that's that's then you're screwed. Then you then you're the genius on the side of the road. Yeah, you're the you're the insane person in the insane asylum who who can who can shout out there and tell you how to fix the tire. You're still crazy. You're just smart. You know what I'm saying? So that you have to recognize what the problem is and where the problem is and how it works. That recognition. So that is a certain amount of information. 
but information does not trump process. And if you have no process, then what are you? You know what they, they say about philosophers, the difference between a philosopher and a mystic, because I was a mystic, right? The difference between a philosopher and a mystic is a philosopher is an ass carrying books. That means he doesn't know anything. He just carries all this knowledge around. Yes, you can ask him anything about what's in the books, but he hasn't felt any of it. He hasn't accomplished any of it. You see what I'm saying? So just having knowledge, like there's, there's the whole world is based on these highly intelligent people who do not feel anything. They just know shit. You know what I mean? And their life falls apart, you know? Or maybe they just get around with their buddies who do know stuff and they play no, knowing stuff games. But, you know, and it, it, this, 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 this applies. Look, I ha, I, I'm, I'm an equal opportunity blaster. I, have, I blast uh, not only religions, but these enlightened men in, in, in India. You know, and those guys are not any, any better. They give you, they have you sit and listen for hours and hours talking to them. And, uh, and they're enlightened and you're sitting there meditating. Has that ever changed the world? I mean, they've been, had enlightened men for the last 5,000 years. You know, has it changed the world? No, no, it hasn't. Those, peop those people have been enlightened and they're happy campers, but the rest of the people are pretty damn miserable. Yeah, you certainly see the Buddha with the Rolex on the car collection. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, and uh, little young honeys, the same thing with those people who are teaching Tantra yoga and they end up being the sexual abusers to these you know, nubile young ladies. It's a hot mess. None of it, none of it I, I can get behind, you know. What's a process of doing? I'll put it that way. Okay. Well, you certainly have the information here on, on, on a level. So for you, where do you move to process, right? So if you have the information, where do you move to your process? Okay. Um, first, let me kill a competition. You don't mind if I kill a competition, right? And my competition is enlightenment, people who do meditation for enlightenment, right? Uh, then oh, there's so you're, you're going back kind of anti what you did for 12 to 13 years. I'm going to anti because that's not, I'm talking about healing now. I'm talking about the solution. So uh, enlightenment didn't work for me. And I guarantee you it doesn't work for other people too. Okay. Then there's the people who have full-blown Kundalini. I mean, these people are amazing. They're Kundalini popping out the top of their head. They can touch people and peaceful people pass out. And, but Kundalini has issues. And then there's people who have near-death experience. That means they actually die, go to heaven, get blissed out, learn all this stuff, come back with love, and they still come back with, guess what? They come back with issues, right? So enlightenment, Kundalini, near-death experience. And uh, what, was the, what was the other one? Transcendental. Transcendental meditation. That goes along with all that. All that spiritual stuff has absolutely no effect on the emotional body, and I'll tell you why. Uh, and why it's important if you if you heal your emotional body, then you don't need enlightenment that much. That's an option. And Kundalini isn't isn't like the the savior of mankind and the people who are trying to ascend. They're they're sending away from their pain, so you don't need to ascend. It's just another form of numbing out. It's another form of numbing out. And some of these things are the best forms of numbing out, the spiritual highest forms of numbing out. Okay, and I'll tell you, I'll tell you why. Because our our wounds happen to us in the level of of uh, pattern recognition. Okay, so say, give an example. Uh, 
you have an example of a tree and a house. They have a tree and a house and a car. You know what those are, right? Now, if you become enlightened, a tree is still a tree, right? A car is still a car, yeah? And, and a house is still a house because that's, that's a pattern recognition. You got me so far? Mm -hmm. So if you're enlightened, if you have a near-death experience, you go to heaven and then and hang out out there and you come back and you have all this wisdom. Well, and, and you know, your heart's open and all this kind of stuff, you love everybody, but a tree is still a tree. And, and a car is still a car and a house is still a house. It's pattern recognition. Okay, and this is why emotional healing has never been understood by psychology. Freud was close and a lot of other people are close, but they never understood what it actually is, what wounding actually is. And wounding actually is, is when you get triggered and traumatized, then, you, uh, then that becomes an impression. You're impressed. You know, you're, you're, you're uh, imprinted with that trauma. Sure. And there were steps that went to it. So there was a, it wasn't just a trauma in isolation. There was a little world there. Like when you see a tree, you think of a tree, there's a nature around there, a tree, and there's other stuff around the tree. So you have a little tree world or a house world in your imagination, right? Little tree world, house world, car world. When you think of cars, it's either on the highway or parked or, see what I'm saying? It's, it's, in, a, it's in an environment. So when we have trauma, we have the, the trauma as a pattern and then, then the pattern is, has an environment. So it was the mom and dad issue. But then there was the house, the mother, the brother, the school. All that stuff was in that environment. See? Mm -hmm. That's pattern recognition. So enlightenment doesn't have, any, have anything to do with it. Uh, meditation, uh, kundalini awareness, being taken away by the aliens, getting a, an upgrade and come back down, you know, having a great education. None of this stuff affects your emotional body at all. Zero. Because with the traumas happens in the same way as, I'll give an example. When you were a little baby, your mom fed you with a spoon. Yeah? Now, no, and, and then later on, you, you took that spoon from her, and then you feed yourself. So what she did to you, you did to yourself. You, you follow me? Mm -hmm. Now we eat with a spoon. And it wouldn't make any difference if, if, if you're enlightened, or your kundalini rises, or you had a near-death experience or you, any of that kind of stuff, or you become awakened or whatever, any of you're still going to eat soup with a spoon, aren't you? Yeah. 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 You're going to do it to yourself, right? And this is why, this is why all that stuff is just confusion. It's wonderful stuff. I'm, I'm pro all that stuff. Good. Great. Go for it. But that's not going to touch your emotional body because your emotional body, body happened in the same way as you learned how to eat with a spoon. What was done to you imprinted into you you now do to yourself you keep that pattern going now i see why you said freud was close to it. he was close very close yeah well he, he, and this this is this is like a one of the eternal truths you know uh it's it's in all our myths and all well, of it a lot of psychologists dance around this this idea though right is um you know gabor Matei, dr gabor Matei tries to go into the idea that trauma is kind of the basis for a lot of the um uh, mental illness and things that we suffer, uh, that some sort of trauma that happened, you know, it, it, you know, along the line, uh, turns or translates to addiction, abuse, violence, depression, anxiety, somewhere along the line, and then no social acceptance. So we have no social acceptance, or maybe what we could call a social group of energies that to connect to, 
So we, we become isolated to ourselves. Uh, this trauma then infects us, and then our behaviors such as addiction and things show up or symptoms of Absolutely. that trauma. Absolutely. He's got everybody's got it dialed in on the information of how it works. But on the solution level, they don't really understand that you have to you have to vibrate the, the trauma back out emotionally, and then you have to deconstruct the pattern, which in this case is patterns of belief, patterns of thought, which you know about. You've talked about this a hundred times. How you think affects your reality. How you think, you see what I'm saying? So, but what ha what you have to do is actually have to go into your emotional body and find the actual original trauma. And the trauma is two things, okay? And this is really, this will really help you and help everybody who's listening, okay? The trauma is two things. Think of it in terms of the snake bite and the snake. The snake can bite you over and over again. And the snake bite is the feeling, okay? The feeling of, oh, I'm not good enough or... Uh, no matter what I do, nothing works out. Or, or uh, man, I'm in so much pain and this world is against me. You see, that's the pain. But it's also the words. See, so the pain is the snake bite and the words are the snake. And both of those things create a pattern, right? So whenever things get hard in the world, that's the snake comes and bites you and, and you feel oh, the world is against me, I'm not good enough, right? And you feel collapsed, you feel depressed, you feel whatever, you see what I'm saying? It is, it is just like walking. It is just you walk right into it and, the, and you, you walk the feelings into yourself of depression, of anxiety, of, of, uh, of uh, being less than, being unworthy, being, being a, a sinner, uh, having to... All the stuff that we that we we know, you know, you know the information of all the stuff that the problem is, but the solution is very simple because it's the same process. It just becomes in layer upon layer upon layer. Like for example, I'm not good enough, right? <clears throat> I'm not good enough as a snake, and the feeling of that defeat, that shame, that guilt. Okay, so we got the two things: the I'm not good enough and the feeling. But that I'm not good enough has a core and it may be something you got from your parents who said, you know, you got to do better in school. You got to do better in school. And you didn't know you're doing the best you could, you know, so you got this conflict and you got triggered. You felt collapsed. Like I'm never going to be good enough. I'm not good enough. Right. So you became imprinted with that. Then any time in your life that you got close to anything that, that felt like that, you became, I'm not good enough. Again, you felt it again and again, because it's pattern repeating. Sure. The snake bites you again. The words, the process of what happened then is repeated, just like your mom fed you with a spoon, and then later on, you grab the spoon from her and feed yourself. You see what I'm saying? Sure. So we're bringing on the traumas ourselves. How do we kill the snake? Ah, kill the snake. That's that's what I teach. Is, uh, it just takes two things to do it. One, uh, like when you drink, right? When you drink, you go into a state, right? If you drink to a certain extent, you'll forget what you did the not that night when you're drinking. It's called state-bound learning. Mm -hmm. you understand that? Mm -hmm. So then, you know, you forgot, well, I don't know what I did last night, man. I was, uh, right? And then at 12 o'clock, you drink a couple of beers and drink a couple more beers. And go, oh, I remember now. As soon as you get back in the same state as the you were the night before, then the memory comes back. Okay, so for the snake bite, 
the pain, the pain, the trauma, the wound. You have to do direct emotional release work. Ah, oh, cry, wail, or be angry, or be terrified. You, you match the state, okay? And this is basically what they're talking about, primal scream. Mm-hmm. But it's not just screaming loud. It can be moaning and groaning or grieving or whatever. You, you go into it, like shadow work, you know? You have to feel it to heal it. So you feel it. You go in there and feel it and match the state. Let me, I'm going to jump in here too because there's something I may hear that's like, what? It's whatever. Two now. And I'm still getting that feedback there again sometimes. Um, there he goes. Myself, even, I experienced this and did that. Now, I didn't set out to do a primal scream or anything like that. It wasn't, a, I was setting out to meditate and I'm putting this on Front Street, man. Uh, however long ago, I was going through some severe anxiety. You know, I ended my uh, marriage, you know, walked away. And this idea of this construct of what I was supposed to be, you know, family, that's that the, the soup that's fed to us, right? I'm, you know, have lost the spoon now. So I'm trying to, I'm freaking out. And, you know, I'm in touch with a little Native part, Native American side of some things. And uh, I went out back and played some heavy drum music and my flute even a little bit. And I'm meditating the best I can uh, as it starts raining and pouring on me, man. And I literally start crying, like almost a hysterical cry, then kind of scream. And like to not just it just was what was happening. You know what I mean? I I was just it was a, a release moment for myself, man. It was fucking unreal for me because i wasn't into all that shit you know what i mean i just wasn't <laughs> i just wasn't and but for some reason that was coming and then it just and it i don't know hour two three hours something like that out back because i'm getting rained on the whole time and i'm just like and i'm losing it but almost gaining it as i'm losing it it, it was yeah. it was fucking wild man that's what you do and it's natural okay you know so we're still talking about the pain okay so but but think back we we're born crying Shit. We're born crying, and what and what happens after you cry like a baby? You sleep like a baby, <laughs> right? Yeah. And and listen, they've done this a lot of science. Of this they've actually hooked up babies to EEG machines, and then they take Vietnam veterans or what are the Gulf Breeze veterans? People have been on the other end of a rifle, been shot at, and you kill had to kill people, and they tried to see when a baby gets angry, you know, and then when a human gets angry. Guess what? The adult male who could full of rage could not get even get could not get past 70 per, 60 or 70 percent of what the baby got. Could not do it. Could not even reach it. So what we happen when, when we're little, we're, our, our fear and terror is off the chain. Our rage is off the chain and our, our desperation is off the chain. We, we don't get gated until later. Oh. And, Thing when you stop crying is when you start dying because life is a vibration, and the bigger your vibration, the more life force you have. That's physics. That's consciousness. Anyway, back to uh, back yeah, to the. I'm just letting that absorb, man, because I, I I joke a lot with with newborns and all, and I often wonder why we're not allowed to speak for so long. And sometimes I walk up to little kids, you know, or nieces or something, and 
you know, and they can't talk. And I, cause I always say, I, I jokingly say that, Hey, they're closer to the other side than, than we, than they are to this side, you know? And I look at them like, what do you know? And I ask them things like, so what's the other side like, what's this and try to pull something from it kind of in jest or in a joke, you know, but really maybe quietly and secretly, I'm really observing and trying to investigate and add my own bias to the response. Well, remember what I said about the four parts, spirit, heart, will, and body? Mm-hmm. Babies, and will is like soul. You know, that's another way of looking at soul, will, you know. Babies are all, are all will. They're all feeling. They're just pure feeling. They don't have the cognitive dissonance. They don't have the cognitive abilities. They just feel and absorb and receive everything. You see what I'm saying? Pure life receiving. And and. And we lose that. And we when we lose that, it's called losing your innocence. Yeah. Yeah. You can get that back. But I'm saying you have to match the state. So you, whatever the state was, if you get even if you get even 50% close to that state, then you can hear the actual voice of what was said to you. You're not good enough. You'll never get ahead. Or I wish you were never born. Or, you know. Uh, you should be seen and not heard. You know, the stuff that we get fed as children, all this kind of little snide remarks, even if they're jokes, you know? Oh, you, you belong to the mailman, whatever it is, right? You hear those words. So the words, okay, so the words are pattern recognitions in your mind, right? And this is what the mind does. Look, I, I, can get, I can tell you about consciousness, how consciousness works, which is really interesting. Energy is consciousness in motion, and consciousness is the feeling of energy. Consciousness is the feeling of energy, and the mind uh, creates the patterns and maintains the patterns of the energy. Even recognizes the patterns, even patterns yeah. that may not be yeah, there. It creates them, recognizes them, and maintains the patterns, right? That's why a tree is always a tree. No matter what your state of consciousness is, the car is always a car. You are always you. You see what I'm saying? It, it maintains that pattern as a truth, as a reality, as a functional part of you, right? No, no matter if you're enlightened, if you're sick or you're healthy, enlightened or kundalini popping out the top of your head or whatever it is going on, a tree is still a tree, house is still a house, the pattern's the same. You see what I'm saying? It maintains the pattern. So if you have a trauma, like I'll give an example. Let's say you got stung by a bee, right? Now that hurts, you know, especially if it's someplace tender. But you don't really, you don't really think that the bee was out to get you. You know, you know the bees sting, and there's like, well, okay, I was in the wrong place at the wrong time, and then when the when the pain stops, you forget about it, right? Like I've been stung by a bee plenty of times, and I don't even remember. I'd have to think hard about, yeah. But here, something happened to us when we we're four, five, or six years old, and now we're fifty, sixty, forty years old, and we're still screwed up by that. That's true. You're terrified of the bee if it bit you when you were four or five. You're still uh, um, experiencing that. That uh, Yeah, the, the younger the trauma, almost the deeper in, ingrained in our existence it is. And the reason for that is, is because, we, is because of the words. The words that repeat the pattern. So even though you have the ability to heal instantly, it's like, you know, 
you get spanked and then you're okay, you know. But the trauma will go on forever because the pattern of the mind, the memory of that. If it happens in the if it happens in the conscious in the conscious realm, you can probably deal with it. But when it happens in the subconscious realm and it becomes part of your life, like say for example, I don't allow I'm not allowed love, right? You know, your mom didn't love you, dad didn't love you, brothers and sisters beat you up, and every time you tried to feel love, you got slapped down as a child. And then you came to the conclusion that in your world at that time, you weren't allowed love. Okay, now this is going on, you forget about that, right? You suppress it, you deny it, you forget about that, and you go on play and grow to school and all this kind of stuff. And guess what? You fall in love with somebody. And then, and it didn't work out. Oh, well, of course, when you're young, a lot of times it doesn't work out. That's no big deal. But for you, you get triggered back into I'm not allowed love. And then the next time, I'm not allowed love. And then the next time, I'm not allowed love. But in reality, what's happening is you go, is you're, the not allowed love becomes the state of, state of being for you. And then you sabotage the relationship. You see, you, 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 you pick the wrong person relationships. You said you pick somebody who you know will deny you love you pick a uh, uh, let's say for example the impasse pick a pick a pick a uh narcissist you know the empath picks a narcissist here's this loving wonderful person and she and she falls in love with a narcissist every single time the good girls fall in love with the bad guys because they don't feel worthy of love right so and then they get destroyed and hurt and wounded which re, which is the repeating pattern of what happened to them in the first time it proves yeah. the pattern to be correct and see yeah. i am correct then see i i'm i'm not deserving of love is what they end up saying exactly yeah, yeah. and so it's and it goes all the way to, to mental illness and and schizophrenia and all that kind of stuff or depression anxiety all these things are just patterns of trauma that have evolved and getting more, more became more. When when your pattern of trauma becomes more real than reality itself, then you're, you know, schizophrenic or you're you're delusional. You see what I'm saying? But it's the same thing. It's the same thing. Children, it, this is so so dirt simple that we can't wrap our head around it. Well, because so, a lot of people don't want it to be that simple, right? It's our problems in our life, so it's, it's just more complicated. You hear people where they'll say, "Oh, it can't be that simple. You just don't know. If you only knew half of it." Right. We have to almost like we're purposely keeping it complicated so we could stay in the pattern. Right. I mean, it defines who we are. Right. The story. We'd have to erase the narrative of our lives and everything we believe we ourselves to be or be made up of. So it can't be that easy. It's complicated to do so. So let's go back to killing the killing a snake here, Michael. So we we're, we've um, I, I keep throwing us off squirrel in left field here. We're, we're getting through the, the thoughts, the pain, the trauma, right? The, the bite itself, right? Or the feelings of it and the bite. bite. Which means you have to vibrate at the same frequency, scream, shout, cry, moan, whatever it is about the same frequency so that it comes out of the subconscious and into your, into your viewing screen. Oh, this is when mom told me this, blah, 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 or dad did this, blah, or my granddad died and I was left with no love. You see, I said that was the trauma. You, 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 you're there in real time. But it's the message about that, the conclusions that you make. You know, I'm always going to be alone. You know, there is no love for me. Or, or the anxiety is now a part of my life. That's that's just who I am now. 
Yeah, or I have to be afraid all the time, you know? Anxiety, there really is no such thing as anxiety. You have to change that around and start calling it what it is as fear. It's one, it's a form, it's a formula of fear. It's not anxiety. Anxiety is a description, but the feeling is fear. Sure. As soon as, as, soon as you understand it's fear, anxiety is one of the easiest things to, ch- to change. All you have to do, I have this book called, uh, this uh, video, I do all my stuff on videos. I have this video called uh, Finding Your Lionheart. And in finding your lion heart, it's it's an exercise, and what you do is, it's like it's like acting one hundred and one. You pretend on a little stage, right? You pretend like a dog is going to bite you. So, so let's say your issue is anxiety. Mm-hmm. So you pre- you pretend in your in your mind, you fantasize in your mind, a big dog really is going to bite you, and and then let yourself be really scared by that, scared out of your mind, terrorized by the dog, right? So, and you do that over and over again until you get really feel a hyper sense of terror coming from the dog, you know, like that fight, that really fight, fight or flight, right? Okay, that's part one. And part two is you turn around and, and, and perhaps in another scenario in your head and then you beat the dog and then you kill the dog, okay? Yeah. In imagination, this is an acting class. This is like trying to get into that emotion, you know, try to get that. So. You feel your fear as much as you can, and then you turn around and you beat the dog with a stick or you kill the dog because maybe this is another scenario, like the dog is going to get after a baby and you have to kill the dog. So I'm saying you kill the dog. And what this does for you, when you amplify this out, even if it's in, in, the, in a fantasy of like an acting class kind of a deal, what this does is it resets your fear and it resets your anger, okay? Because suppression, anxiety is and nerves and stress is suppression of the recognition of fear. But when you have the actual fear or you increase the fear, you know, feel it to heal it. When you increase the fear, then it becomes like, like a, in, into a three day, 3D understanding instead of like a ghost fear. Like you don't know what you're anxious about. You don't know what you're afraid of. You don't know what you have stress about. You see what I'm saying? You don't, it doesn't get to that level. But as soon as you bring it into the level of where it's an actual thing, a snake in the grass or a dog going to bite you, you know, or a bully going to beat you. you see, as soon as you get that real emotional connection to something physical, then you can feel the pain and then turn around and feel your anger and your rage, your murderous rage, whatever, and, and kill it. Anyway, the, just the exercise of breaking the pattern. Here again, we're going to the pattern. Anxiety is a pattern of low grade, low grade fear that is just below the, the level of your, of your conscience. As soon as you bring it into a, a large consciousness and bring it into your conscious mind, even if it's on a, an acting level, a pretend level, then that breaks the pattern. Mm. Yeah, I mean, a lot like the exposure therapy kind of uh, scared yeah. of the snake, hold yeah. the snake, scared of the elevator, get in yeah. the elevator. Yeah, that'll do it. Yeah, well, that's kind of a mild. But it's, it would work. Yeah, it definitely works. And it doesn't matter what you use to, for a fear trigger and what you use for an anger trigger. But what happens is it, is it expands. Oh, all right. So you're not actually matching the fear of the dog or a dog bite to the actual play. You're actually doing the role play to bring up the thought pattern itself to then experience the thought pattern of fear, not, not the specific oh, dog or the specific. You want the, feeling of, you want the feeling of fear as fully as you can get it. 
So let's say spiders was your thing. If, if spiders scared the living bejesus out of you, then you'd use the spider trying to jump on you as a fear, right? Or a horse kicking you or whatever it is that is your deepest fear. That's what you use, okay? And then, then when you go back to your regular life, after you've done this exercise, you can, this little exercise doesn't take that long. It, it, it's four parts. Uh, fear on the left, anger on the right, pain and grief and sorrow in your belly, and then joy and happiness on the top. So it's the cross. It's called dying on the cross. And then, and we don't, if you hit all those notes in this exercise, then you end up, you end up balancing out your emotions pretty good. And you go out to live your regular life. Well, the boss giving you pressure to get the job done is not as big, as big a deal as that, as that spider going to bite, bite you or, or the dog going to bite you. And it puts it in perspective. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And then you already have had fear of something real. And then this fear of something that's just this imaginary fear of the boss judging you, it doesn't, it takes the teeth out of it. And on the other hand, you killed the dog, you killed the spider, you killed the snake, right? So that gives you control. You follow me? Yeah, any experience through it, yeah. Yeah, so, so it, real life is not nearly as traumatic and as scary as, as, uh, as what you carry on in your, in your subconscious. You know, the subconscious boogeyman, the sub subconscious. That's where the big, what do they call them? Dragons, demons, right? Well, there's no demons out in the world. The demons are in your subconscious. The dragon, killing the dragon, going into the cave and kill the dragon. That is in your subconscious. Yeah. The, the fear that we hold in our own minds that we allow to be our, uh, to be our dragon, to be our demon, to be our shadow that we care, or the, the fear of that angry person we may be, or that uh, trauma even that we experience that at a time, right? That defines who we are. Yeah, and the same thing for, let's say you're a rageaholic. You're a pissed off person, right? You do the same thing. You might start off killing the dog, but if you, but if you turn it around and got to the terror, because behind every angry person is a terrified person. Yeah, hurt and fear. And they don't want to go to that terror, right? So they cover up the terror with the anger. So when you do the terror part, you know, and then you, you survive that, you know, and you balance it out, then there's not, then you don't really need the anger. You don't need the suppressed anger to cover up the, uh, the terror, okay? And it balances out pretty quick. Okay, so that's, that's the snake bite. All we've been talking about the snake bite, the solution of the snake bite. But the uh, the judgment and denial release is what I call the uh, for, for the snakes themselves. Okay, mm -hmm. and uh, here's what happens: we we get wounded automatic, subconscious, non-verbally, and invisibly. Bop 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 bop. That's what happens. It's, it's like there's steps involved. There's like a process involved. Somebody visually says something to us and we automatically feel something, right? And that becomes our wound. But it was automatic, subconscious, non-verbally and invisibly. So the memory is in there and it's not visible to us. The trauma, we carry it with us. <clears throat> so 
and that becomes the snake. The conclusion was, I'm not good enough, or uh, I have to be afraid for my life, or men are going to rape me, or whatever it is, right? That's the conclusion. Or, or I have to eat, because if I'm too sexy, then some man's going to rape me. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, this is the, yeah, these are real traumas and effects and, and yeah. symptoms from it, sure. Okay, so what you have to do is to reverse that, is to take what was to take what was automatic and make a method or a process or a, or a step, a ritual. Instead of it being automatic, you reverse that automatic thing and make it a deliberate thing you do. So that's what I have, a, like a formal judgment release. And then uh, instead of it being uh, nonverbal, in other words, this stuff just happens to you. You get you just you just feel bad, like I'm not good enough, or you feel trauma, or you feel like you're going to get raped, or whatever it is. There's no thought involved. It's just a feeling that weighs over. You don't think about it, right? So you make so you have a uh, a method, right? Which is the which is the like a ritual, the release process, words you say. Then then uh, it's verbal, out loud. You say it out loud. And then the invisible part is visible. Every wound you have, every wound you have has a person's face on it. Everyone. Everyone. And this is what the collective unconsciousness is. The collective unconscious, the archetypes, is in there. There's all the clowns and gods and this and that. But in those, in those archetypes, you have the people who have hurt you. Sure. And they have, yeah. and they Faces. It was your uncle nasty, or you know, or your mom in a bad day, or whoever it was. About that one event that has a has it there. So, automatic, nonverbal, invisible, and whatever the other one was. So I have this uh, formal judgment release. So let's say you got close to the, your, your emotional trauma, right? Through emotional release, and you got the words, and the words were, uh, "I'm not good enough." So. The first thing you would say is, uh, is you know, you're, 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 you're in that experience of I'm not good enough. You feel it, right? And then you recognize the judgment that you're not good enough. So recognition is the first part. And so, so you say, yes, I recognize my judgment that I'm not good enough. And then the second part is I offer loving acceptance to this, to the, to this judgment. Right? And then Number th number three is you forgive yourself. Big deal. Big deal forgiving yourself. Yes, I offer loving acceptance to this judgment for so long. Okay? And that's you have to feel that because you your life's been screwed for 40 years or 30 years because of that one judgment. So you have to that's a lot of forgiveness you have to give. Okay? And then you say, because I no longer need or want this judgment in my life. I now offer it loving release. And the release you do with a bio field, a bio, uh, what do you call it, thing where you, you exhale. And, and, and if you exhale, if the words are right, if the, if the feeling is right and the words are right, you will feel it release when you exhale. So you big, big exhale. But at the same time you're exhaling, you see in your mind's eye that person who hurts you whether it's a stick figure or, or, or a little black spot or whatever it is, you see that thing leaving. And you do this in your imagination. You see that energy leaving, okay? 
So the I'm not good enough. Uh, little the person who identified, who was tagged inside your 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 memory as that person is has left, left the building, get off the bus, left the building, left the house. Then the last part is you as you do a replacement with at least six things that are the opposite of it. So uh, you released it, and then you say, now I'd like I I now offer it loving re release. And I, yes, I'd like to replace this judgment, and the judgment was I'm not good enough, with the new understandings that I am good enough, I'm better than good enough, I'm good at this, I'm good at that. You see, and you come up with six good things that, that are the opposite of you're not good enough. You know, I can stand good enough, I can cook good enough, I can talk good enough, I can make, you see what I'm saying? You give this, you break up the pattern by overloading the pattern with, instead of it being only not good enough, now you have six other beings, other other bullets in your gun, that you are good enough. You can do this, and you and you you're, you're capable, and you're, you know. See, so that that breaks up the whole pattern. And if and if you do the emotional release work, and the and the judgment release work, uh, the the judgment and the denial release work, it goes. It's like it's like putting the tire back on your car, and cars on the way. It's like it never happened. Yeah, I'm I'm sitting here kind of revisiting that that uh, moment for me on my backyard doing something like that, and uh, certain well faces and 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 words or quotes that came up out of that for me uh, and things that I did. It was, it was fucking powerful, and you know I, I think the hardest part I think for most people to apply something like that is being brave enough to go and visit those places. Uh, or even be able to acknowledge that it's been in denial for so long, right? To move past that. Oh, I, can, yeah. I can see where you're connecting this to where we started this podcast of the, the full spectrum here of trauma as we all experience it on a whole and, and the denial that it's gone into to, a, a, to an, individual, an individualistic view to where that personal trauma has happened to us on this level and that utter suppression and denial to just continue with not show weakness whatever be uh be humble be uh weak as it would be considered by so many people to visit it i can see how those two two uh i don't know those two umbrellas kind of uh on a larger scale of, of the world we live in and as we see it on and on our smaller teepee if you will it's that because it's energy it's absolutely scalable it goes from children to adult all the way out to business religion uh, society government the whole ball of wax it works on the same principle well, and if each individual is affected by trauma all the way up, then the, then this the idea of it is built on these principles that each of the people that are in the government, right? Because the government is people, right? The government or the boss, right? It's the people. And those individuals are made up and processed by the same idea of hurt, trauma, idea. And then what do we got to do, right? If, if we end up being hurt, trauma, pick it, we go, well, I'll show you. Right. It's, and then it becomes this competitive game of, oh, you think I wasn't good enough. Right. For instance, the example you use, you, you or, thought or, I or for, or for powerful people that they go, I'm, I'm not going to get my dad's my, my love for my father and mother unless I'm successful. And yeah. so, they, so they just go berserk about becoming successful at all costs. They're not even human anymore. Well, how many times do you hear that story, right? Oh, I was raised poor. I didn't have shit. They didn't tell me I'd have shit. Now, look, I'm the CEO. I'm a multi-million dollar, trillion, gazillion dollar company. I have this, that, and the other. Like, this is the story that you see from that, right? Or at least what's exonerated. That's, that's part of it. But the other part of it is the, is the kid who was, who was born from a filthy rich family who had, who had great power, and he was never given any love. 
and and he was sent off to boarding school. And the only thing he could, the only the only thing they expected of him was one thing, and that is to be a success, be a ruthless ruler. You see what I'm saying? And 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 he had no choice because it was part of his his parents' pattern get transferred to your pattern. And this is another thing that I wanted to talk about was was the generational. You know, we have generational um, viruses of of you know like. Uh, an abused wo woman. Her her mother was abused, and her grandmother was abused, and she's teaching her children how to be an abused woman. See, this is this is not, and also with disease, disease falls out of this too. But I, we were not we're not finished yet with this thing. You asked me this question about about uh, killing the snake, killing the snake, and 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 what does it take? You said people are afraid to get over that hump. Well, uh, of of going in there. Here again, if you do that, the uh, the, um, the the finding your lion heart, and you move your fear, and you move your rage, and you get those things moving really good, will that increase your power tremendously? You you know what real powerful fear feels like, and real real powerful rage feels like. You know you got your you got your little thing all pumped up. Okay, from that point to go down into your deepest pain is not such a big step. You see, because you know, you're all juiced up. You just fought dragons, and you know you killed them, and they chased you around, and, and you survived, and you were the conqueror. So then you can then you can go in there, and um, hmm. and and you can deal with it. But here, here's here again. Let's go back to the tree, the car, and the house. Every trauma we have inside of us is becomes the becomes the person. Remember, there's a person there. The mom, the dad, the abuser, the rapist, whoever it was that hurt you, the bullies at school. But it was but so there's the rapist or the or the abuser, and then there's the environment around the world, the the, the abuser world that was like the world at home or the school terrorists, whatever it is, right? So there's the person who abused you and that world, right? But here you are the in victim consciousness and you feel small and helpless. Right, so this is your wounded, your wounded body, or your, or your what they call pain body. I think Eckhart Tolle called was the one who named it pain body. This is your pain body. So here you are as a normal person, and you don't. All you have is a pain body in yourself. What you really need is a healing body. So if you have a healing body, and that's part of doing some of these exercises, what you do is when you have a healing body, when your healing body gets as big as your pain body, then you can deal with it. See what I'm saying? If your pain body is so big that you can't deal with it, then you don't have enough power in your healing body to do it. So that's why I teach an empowerment process. The empowerment goes like this. I'm empowering myself with a strong and loving intent to heal my will. Remember, everything happens with the will. If mama's happy, your deep feminine, the healing body's happy, your whole body's happy. So you heal from there, from the, from the belly out, you know? Every thought that you think passes through your heart into your belly, and the feelings pass back up through your heart to your head. So there's a heart, the head, heart, belly connection, which is also the 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 father, the mother, and the heart in the middle is the child. So you can do this kind of transactional analysis kind of business on yourself or or inner child work. So here you say this empowerment. 10,000 times. I tell people to say the empowerment 10,000 times. 
I'm empowering myself with a strong and loving intent to heal my will. Will you help me? And the other one is, uh, I want to live. Will you help me? And I want to be fulfilled. Will you help me? And so you're, I saw that your head kicked over when I said 10,000 times. It's like, why would you say that 10,000 times? And I'll tell you why. In this world, they did a survey that they, they, they surveyed, surveyed how many times a child is told no. Oh, I see what you're doing. Yeah, I've seen that. How a child told no growing up? Yeah, I've seen that. Yeah, it's... Um, like, uh, what, what, did you, what number did you come up with? I, I wanted to say it was somewhere around 22-something thousand on average by the time they reach age six or seven, something like that. Yeah, well, I heard that by 18, it's, uh, it is... Uh, uh, 50,000. But I've heard other people say it was even higher, 100,000. That's a fucking lot. <laughs> a fucking lot. And, and, and what is being said no to, again, is not your head. It is your soul. So you're out there playing, you're doing, you're being, you're manifesting. No thought, you're doing whatever it is you feel like doing. You're being you. Mm. And the mom says, clean up your room, or stop doing that, or you're making noise, or don't you see what I'm saying? That's that constant no, no, in a lot of different ways. Conform, conform. Conform. Yeah, do what I say. You're making too much noise. You should be seen and not heard. Stop acting like a wild Indian. All this stuff, you know, <laughs> we get, you know, or stop crying or I'll give you something to cry about. Whatever it is that you're doing, you got told no. Okay. And what hurt was your will, was your belly, the beingness of you. Right. So when you say it, and so your head to your to your emotion about it, your head to your belly, your head is the parent, your head is the God, your head is the man to the emotional body, to your physical body. It's the king, right? So when the king says, I'm empowering myself with a strong and loving intent to heal my will, it just sends waves of waves of love, waves of power, waves of hope to your emotional body. So it's, your emotional body is not alone. It just does this really cool stuff inside yourself. The counter, the counterbalance. But, but get back to the image of the pain body and the healing body. It begins to build your healing body. By saying it here again, what we're doing is we're, we're interrupting patterns of the past. We're interrupting patterns of the past. So to create a new healing body, you create a new pattern. You want a pattern. You want you want to create a new pattern so that whatever is happening to you is part of a healing pattern instead of a wounding pattern. Yeah. So at work, you said at work or going to school or going to work. Uh, or, or... It seems logical, man. I'm sorry to interrupt you. It's a, a logical idea of replacing of how it got there. You put a new pattern there and remove it the way it got there. Right. And it's not. This is not a quick fix. This this works thoroughly, eloquently, and precisely, but it's not quick, and it does take a little bit of effort to do it. Fuck yeah, it would. <laughs> I mean, well, you got to think. How long did it take to get there? Right, twenty years you've been thinking this way. Thirty years you've been thinking this way, and you know, I tell people to, uh, man, I think I even write something about like that. The hole you dug yourself into. Don't expect to turn around and be out of the hole just because you looked up and saw you're in a hole. You know, it took you a long time to dig in there. You got to take it step by step to climb out, to fill it back in, you know, to get that back. And, you know, we're so trapped, you know, Michael, in this world of this uh, 
quick fix, you know, not, I mean, I don't want to be anti-pill, but right, it's, I need it now. I got to fix it now. Six steps to a better life, right? Three steps to happiness. Yeah. Uh, you know, when, and we're like, fuck, I was abused for 20 fucking years, right? But this six steps of happiness book is going to fix my shit, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or, or I was, or I had the only love I could get was by serving other people, you know? And then when your kids are gone, your husband is gone, all of a sudden there's no people for you to serve anymore. That means you have no love. You're lost and empty. Emptiness syndrome, right? The 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 women and men that both experience that, right? When they when I guess when we're defined by the constructs of which we are told we are supposed to be, are removed from us like a band aid, we uh, drift uh, drifts uh, fairly quickly into unknowingness, an unknown. Well, anyway, our collective internal wound of all the judgments and all the beliefs and all the denials collectively is what forms the government that we see it reforms the medical profession that we see they are identical one to one i'll give you an example you want an example of course man it's always good we have this thing pizzagate what is pizzagate about you you know the, the surface of it you know the the distraction of of uh distraction of what was happening right at a certain place with i think it was children being brought in for certain things for politicians and some devil worship and shit i mean you know it depends on how many uh you know quick little headlines you read and keep scrolling past right it tell you something but I, I honestly i try to avoid a lot of that shit just because i don't want that shit in my head and good for you and don't put it in the microphone uh, microphone either and, and whatever you give whatever you give onto the microphone make sure you have some you have at least a certain percentage of solution Remember, there's information and process. You've got to have a process or else you just load people up with hopelessness. Fuck. I'm going to keep that in mind, Mike. I, I, you know, I rarely take advice on what to do with my show, if ever. Uh, but I'm, I fucking actually will really look into that because I believe in that idea, man. The idea of, you know, you keep putting the fucking shit out there. You're just creating more shit and, and providing yeah. a solution to something, man. I, I, I will I duly note it, sir. Do not be a flea salesman. You know what a flea salesman is? Oh, well, I can guess. <laughs> a flea salesman says, look, you know, this world is infected by fleas, you know, and, and it's, look, here's the history of the fleas and the fleas are over here. And, and meanwhile, he's throwing the fleas on you. Right. And this is the flea over here. These fleas that they just, you know, you end up just being completely infested with fleas and you're sitting there scratching going, you know, he's right. You know what I mean? That guy's right. Listen, and you're scratching and you're going, he's right. There are fleas everywhere. And he keeps scratching. The guy's selling you fleas. You know what I mean? He's not, but he never gives you, never gives you the flea powder. Never tells you what to do to get out of the fleas. All he can do is throw more fleas on you. Fuck. Yeah. I dig that, man. Yeah. I feel myself. uh, Shit, man. I appreciate that, Mike. Yeah. Yeah. So, and you tune into it next time you hear these guys who are like, uh, you know, the the, uh, the Michael Tazarian and the David Ikes and all these guys who have the complete history of the Illuminati and how evil it is. And they can go back to every year in history and all the stuff. You know, it's, they're just flea salesmen. If they don't have a solution, all they're going to do is make the make matters worse. Brother, I, I appreciate you coming on the show, man. I, I got to say I was a tad apprehensive, like, ah, oh, fuck. And then uh, it totally winds up something different, man. So, uh. 
No, much love, man. Uh, I mean that, man. And for the journey that you've been on and, and to, then to come back and question your own self after 13 years into something and be able to battle back against that uh, and question that, man, that, that takes some serious shit, man. Uh, I know these are scientific terms I'm dropping here, but uh, <laughs> but I appreciate you coming on, Michael. Well, here's the, let's talk about the bottom line. The bottom line, if you do your emotional healing work, is nothing happens. Right. You're, you're right back to where you were anyway, right? You're back to factory specs. But the nothing that happens is no pain, no suffering, no confusion, no fear, no terror, no anger, all balanced out. It's like nothing ever happened. Yeah. I right. mean, that's, that's like a hard, that's not the, the best sales motive. You know, it's like, I'm not telling you you're going to be on the beach with a, a beautiful blonde with a little, you know, coconut full of, you know, rum and cola, you know what I mean? Yeah. That's not gonna happen. You're going to be yourself, but you're not going to have the stress, the worry, the belief, the confusion, the pain, the anxiety, the fear. And then, and then, then you have your time for like music and art and dance and helping people and doing creative stuff that, that you, you never could do. You know, the Walmarts of the, of the, oh, okay, we're going back to, to the, to the babies. Okay. Child abuse child abuse right we're talking about the governmental child abuse 200,000 people children go missing every year and they go into these networks of uh for the child abusers right this is a real deal i mean it's not that you know that pizza game was real deal because all these people one of the things that the government does is they get they get the police chiefs and the and the uh, mayors and the and the government officials and all the people in the background that make they get all the perverts that they can so they got complete control over them and they do this by moving children around and some of that stuff is satanic where they they rape the child and they kill it yeah but what is this doing in the core of government it's just fucking crazy but here's 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 how it here's how it works when we have trauma right then we deny our trauma spiritual bypass you know what spiritual bypass is i'm gonna relate it somehow to some sort of uh, heart surgery oh, no, sp <laughs> spiritual bypasses those people who is is if you're not doing your shadow work you're, if you're a wounded person then you want to they go move towards you know love and light the namaste crowd the yoga crowd the love and light crowd a lot of that is spiritual bypass they've got their deep wounds but they're covered up by being Reiki healers and organic growers and this kind of stuff. And, and, and they're trying to, they give the facade, the look of being spiritual. Mm. Yeah. But in fact, they're wounded and angry or, or upset or afraid or whatever it is. And they, they just kind of created a persona over here of, you know, uh, they did, they do their meditation, they do their yoga, they do their raw foods and they, and they, you know, they go to the drumming circles and all this kind of stuff. It's just, you know, to flirt away from, from, uh, so they don't want to do hate, feel, anger, and that kind of stuff. They don't want to go there. That's to them is that's considered low. That's the dark. That's the dark side. You don't want to go there, right? So they love the light and they hate the dark. Well, they don't say they hate the dark. All they do is they're looking at the light and loving the light. And they let the dark die. 
Okay, when you go to inner child work, we all do that to a degree. In other words, we don't want to deal with our pain. And some people hate themselves. I hate that I am angry. I hate that I am overweight. I hate that I am uh, uh, afraid all the time. I hate that I have anxiety. I hate that my, you see what I'm saying? They hate that part. They hate that part that's calling for healing, which is the same thing as taking a child that's crying and beating it till it stops crying. See what I'm saying? So on a collective level, we all have, are involved with this child rape, this child torture, this child suppression. Suppression. I see what you mean. On our emotional level, right? And that goes out and becomes on the widescreen, Pizzagate and, and all the stuff that the Clintons were into and all this, you know, the 200,000 kids who get taken every, you see what I'm saying? A reason why I'm using that is just to show you there's, there's a one-to-one -one correlation between our own personal self-hatred and the self-hatred that we see coming at us in the outside world in the form of government and police brutality. And you know what I'm saying? There's a one-to-one -one correlation to that. The only solution really is to get our internal world, an internal atmosphere of love and cooperation in the internal world. So the communication from our thoughts to our feelings is done through the heart is in love. You know what I mean? People have self-hatred, self-disregard, self-abandonment, self-denial, uh, self yeah? And self-love is hated. Well, you, can't, you can't love yourself. You know, that's egotistical. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, what, a.k.a. narcissism, right? Yeah, it's narcissism, yeah. But if your cup is empty, then, all, then you become a beggar. Hmm. You know? If you don't have any love in your cup for yourself, well, remember what I said about spirit, heart, will, and body? Mm -hmm. The greatest commandment. You ever heard of that one? The greatest commandment. Christ in the greatest commandment. The greatest commandment goes something like this. To love God with your whole spirit, with your whole heart, with your whole will, and with all the strength of your body. And then... Right, those are my four parts, if you remember that, spirit, heart, will, and body. And then love your fellow man as you would love yourself, okay? And then there's a deep teaching in this. If you don't, if, you, if your spirit is going one way, your heart is going another way, your emotional body is all messed up, and your body is kind of holding on because it's got all this toxic things zinging around inside of it, how are you going to be able to love somebody the way you love yourself? And if you do, you'll be loving them poorly. It's not going to. It's not going to be pretty, put it that way. Or or you'll be a beggar, begging for love. Most relationships is that people are, are their wounds. They're, my wound matches your wound. You know, my needs match your needs. And you, you save me and I'll save you. And Damn. You know. Yeah, I do, a, I do a little talk called people don't fall in love, man, that they, they fall in pain. That they look at each other and go, oh, shit, you, that happened to you too? Ah, oh, me too. How cool, man. Let's both feel that shit together. Right. And then, and then, and then the pain increases. That's, that's all shadow work. So we live in a shadow world, and and we're calling. We, we think that's our fate. We think this is real world. The whole damn thing's a shadow. The economy is a shadow. Is <laughs> a shadow of our own feelings of not self, not worth. You know, the the medicine profession is a shadow. You know that we that there's somebody, some healer out there. You know, it's just a mess. Damn. 
Man, we don't. We've put in almost two hours, brother. I got to wrap this up. I got to head out of here, man. But uh, I'm certainly actually going to be replaying and re-listening to this my myself again, Michael. I uh, again, I, I appreciate the the uh, the stand in, the the honesty, the openness, and willing to share what you do. How let everybody know before we go though, where they can find more info on you, watch your videos, all that stuff. Well, you can uh, you can see me on Facebook. I have a I have a page, a like page. I just broke just broke eight thousand on my like page. And I have a uh, a YouTube channel called Michael Harrell. The like page is Michael Harrell, and I have a uh, a, a kick ass a kick ass support group on on um, called Language Lessons of the Heart. It's a it's an open support group. Go by and check it out. But that thing is living, man. People are experiencing something, and and it's like you know how a lot of groups there's you know you you, you see the post and there's no comments. Because because the people on the other side are kind of dead, right? This group is everybody saying hello and what's going on and all this kind of stuff is going. There's like a life thing going on there, so that's a good group to check out. Language lessons of the heart. That's that you can find that on YouTube and uh, and on Facebook. All right, brother. Well, um, you know what? I'd, I'd like to have you back anytime, man, to, to go deeper and longer, man. So you're in Florida, right? I'm actually in Georgia now. All right, you move. Oh, that's right. I saw that. Um, I won't put it out there, but I believe I saw where you were. Savannah. Yeah, beautiful place, man. I um, yeah, we contemplated actually coming to Savannah here at the end of the new year. But anytime uh, you find yourself uh, back this way down in Orlando, man, let's link up and uh, bring you in the studio. We'll do another one. I think what you're doing is really important. I'm really got a chance. I'm really glad you're showcasing people who are making a difference. And uh, you know, you got to get you got to get the information out right, and then the process. Yeah, I think that's what I'm kind of trying to aim to do a little bit more, right, is bring on, you know, uh, like Dr. Will, or I keep calling him Dr. William Pullen, or people that are coming on that are trying to offer a process or a solution to something that they've experienced and maybe be able to help other people out of their experience, just like uh, your process helps kill the snake for those, man. Yeah. And time is now, you know, this is the age of the Kali Yuga. It's time to get, time to fight the demons. <laughs> It feels weird out there, man. I promise you that. There's some strange shit going on, man. I will certainly second that stuff, man. I, I you can feel it in your bones some some mornings and some afternoons, man, and the evenings even worse. If you so, if you want to talk about quantum physics or the electromagnetic side of it, or the or the history of how it got to be this way, coming from the Godhead, that's that's pretty wild. Well, we'll have to go deep uh, next time. Maybe we'll try to let's let's keep messaging a few times about some topics and see if we can line something up directly to go to go down something like that, man. I was actually thinking it's not too far. You're only about four hours away. I was like, it would be cool to actually do a live one. That'd be fun. Yeah, that's what I was thinking about doing, man. We uh, if my lady and I shoot up that way, we're we're trying to plot where we may go at the uh, end of the year, give ourselves a New Year's present to each other. We're uh, I don't know Savannah was kind of on the map too, New York, a couple other places, but uh, maybe if we shoot up that way, we'll stop in. All right. All right, brother, man. I uh, appreciate it, Michael. Thanks for coming on again, dude. And I really uh, enjoyed the uh, unenlightened talking. <laughs> That's about it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right, brother, man. I'll, uh, we'll chat soon, man. Take care. Take care. What you want and what you will. Working for your dollar bill. Sad to see the old slave mill is grinding slow but grinding still. Walking home, a youth gets killed. Neighbors free to shoot at will. Sad to see the old slave mill is grinding slow but grinding still. Nine to five, you know the drill. Weekends are a short-lived thrill.
Start to see the old slave mill is grinding slow but grinding still. Cup run it over till it spill. Take until they've had their fill. Hurts to see the old slave mill is grinding slow but grinding still. Some of us think we're too big. The Carter system gives us jobs, even though it's just a low paying gig. Some of us will boast and brag. And those of us who think we're small, just because we don't have much, it's really not the case at all. There's riches that the flesh can't touch. What men want and what they will, working for a dollar bill. Sad to see the old slave mill, it's grinding slow but grinding still. Walking home, a youth gets killed. Police free to shoot at will. Sad to see the old slave mill. It's grinding slow, but grinding still. Nine to five, you know the drill. Weekends are a short-lived thrill. Sad to see the old slave mill. It's grinding slow, but grinding still. Cover on it over till it's filled. Take until they've had their fill. Sure hurts to see the old slave mill. <laughs> grinding slow, but grinding still.